0: Great. Well, good evening all. And uh, it's lovely to be with you. Uh, And tonight we are continuing our sermon series on the Gospel of Luke. And you can see my reminders. That's very interesting. (laughs) Um, And so we're continuing our sermon series on the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we have two stories in this passage tonight, uh, two beautiful stories that I think kind of just sum up who Jesus is, uh, certainly for me at least. We've heard some really uh, wonderful testimonies so far tonight and I wanted to tell you uh, another lovely testimony that I heard uh, earlier this week. Uh, most of you will know that uh, for the past few months up until recently I've been working at uh, AYF, Aldridge Youth Fellowship, and it's been one of the best parts of my job. I really loved being there. Uh, it's certainly been challenging at times but uh, I've loved being able to get alongside young men and women who uh, are passionately, passionately trying, trying to follow Jesus and seeing them growing in faith. For me, there's, there's nothing greater than being able to help people grow in their relationships with Jesus. It's a real privilege. And uh, I heard this week about uh, a young guy uh, who is now an XYFer, And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, myself and someone else, had the privilege of praying with this guy at Clovely, which is our youth weekend away, as this guy asked Jesus into his heart. And at the time, I could really tell that he meant it. Um, And from that point on, it was quite hard to kind of see what was going on faith-wise for him. And then he went off to university. And uh, that was kind of all we heard for a while but I knew that things weren't easy for him at uni. And uh, that was that. Um, And one of the struggles I knew that he was struggling with was that he was surrounded by lots and lots of people, but still felt quite alone. And this is something that's actually major in our society. So many people struggle with this. I even heard on the news this week that 89% of those people who say they feel lonely at some point in life, 89% are under the age of 35. This is a major issue in society at the moment. So I knew this guy was struggling at uni, and it got to a point where he came to a real low in his life, and he was considering dropping out of uni. And uh, he was in his room, and uh, he said to God, God, I don't even know if you're there. I don't know if you're real or if you can hear this, but if you can, help me. And that was it. And he went to bed. And uh, the next morning, he woke up and he had a text message. And this message was from another uh, XYFer. And it said uh, Hi, mates, I know we've not spoken for like four years, but what uni do you go to? And it turns out that they went to the same uni. So this person uh, inviting, invited him along to the Christian uni, at uh, that uni, and he went and he had an amazing time. And he then went along to this person's church and absolutely loved it. And it was God breaking into this person's life and starting to turn it round. And it's changed the way that he now views uni there. And this whole thing of God breaking into people's lives is something that we see in both of these passages that we're looking at today. So uh, I just want to go through these stories quickly, and then we'll go back over, the, over them again in a bit more detail. And uh, this passage follows on from the passage that John spoke to us about last week. Uh, John spoke to us last week about listening to God and then obeying. So the passage we're looking at is uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 39. Um, I know you've not got Bibles here, but if you could, if you have a phone or some iPad or something, turn to that passage and follow along with me, that would be great. Luke chapter 8, 22 to 39. So the passage follows uh, immediately from the passage we looked at last week. And there's a period of time between last week's passage and this week's passage. We don't know how, how long. But after a period of time, Jesus and his disciples get into a boat and they go to cross the lake. Whilst they're crossing the lake, Jesus falls asleep and a storm blows up on the lake. And uh, uh, the disciples wake Jesus up and they say to him, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves and the storm calms down. In the second story, Jesus and his disciples have reached the other side of the lake, and uh, as they come onto the shore, a naked, homeless man, who's demon-possessed, falls at Jesus' feet and cries out, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Jesus commands the evil spirits to leave this man. They enter a herd of pigs. The pigs run down the side of a cliff and drown, and the man is healed. So that's the stories. And on the face of it, they look quite different. But there are some common themes in both these stories. So we're going we're to go through them in parallel as we go through the talk tonight. So, skipping back. Jesus is with his disciples and he says to them, come on, let's cross over the lake. So they get in a boat and they set out. At this point, Jesus falls asleep. Now, to me, that seems quite careless. We'll come back to that in a few moments. So, they're on the lake, and uh, a storm blows up on the lake. And for the Sea of Galilee, this is not anything particular, particularly unusual. The Sea of Galilee is about 700 metres below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountainous regions. And as cold air from the mountains comes down from the mountains, it can uh, really create storms with water really quickly. So this storm is nothing particularly unusual, but it is dangerous. And this particular storm is causing water to flood the boat. And the disciples think they're going to drown. In the second story, uh, Jesus and his disciples have reached the other shore. And as they come on shore, uh, a naked homeless man who lives in tombs, falls at Jesus' feet and cries out, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And this is a violent man. This is a dangerous man. This is someone that the townspeople used to put in chains. But the demon would cause the man to break the chains and then to go and live in solitary places on his own, away from other people. And as Jesus says to this man, what's your name? He says, Legion. And it's the demon saying, Legion. And a legion was uh, a Roman company of about 6,000 soldiers. So whether or not this is 6,000 demonic spirits that have entered this man, this is basically a whole company of demonic spirits that has taken up residence in this man. And uh, it's... Sorry, lost the place, or are we... Some scholars do wonder whether this man actually was a Roman soldier himself and uh, it was perhaps while serving as a Roman soldier that some traumatic incident happened to him that kind of led to the origin of this pain in his life. We don't know that, but it's certainly a possibility. But what we have here is two storms. The first is this literal external storm that is threatening to overwhelm and consume the disciples. In the second one, we have this man who is oppressed by a whole company of uh, demonic spirits. In this case, this storm in this person's life, this disruption is demonic. That's not always the case. I think in the majority of cases, there will also be psychological factors at play. We're whole people, body, mind, soul, spirit, and we can't separate those parts. All those parts are part of us all the time. So uh, we're whole people, and those parts impact each other all the time as well. And storms are not things that are particularly unfamiliar to us as well. And I'm not talking about the weather we've had today, but that's also not unfamiliar. But at times in our life, there will always be these things that feel as if they can overwhelm and consume. Often there will be some uh, external cause or some external situation which leads to an internal storm or some internal battle. And like these disciples, sometimes it can feel as if it's wave after wave crashing over us. Something happens that knocks us to our feet. And as we, slowly be able, as we slowly find our way back up to our feet again, something else happens and we fall to our feet once again. And as that happens time and time again, That can be tiring. And in those times, we want to say, How long, God? How long, God? And it's a cry that is common to many Old Testament passages. Psalm 13 begins with, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts, and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? We heard a little bit from Habakkuk 3 earlier. Well, Habakkuk 1 starts with, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry to you, violence but you do not save. And as we go through those storms, sometimes it can feel as if Jesus is asleep. And I don't want to dictate to you what those storms may be in your life because we will go through different things at different times in our lives, and you will know for you what's going on right now or what's been going on in the past or what's coming up. But for you, maybe it is exams at school. Maybe it is uh, trouble in family or marital life. Maybe it is continual feelings of rejection. You'll know for you what those storms may be. And they're different at different times in our lives. So uh, we go back to the stories, and uh, the disciples are in the boat uh, and they're being swamped with water, and Jesus is asleep. In the second story, they've reached the shore, and a demon possessed man has fallen at Jesus' feet. In the first story, the disciples wake Jesus up and they say to him, Master, Master, we're going to drown. True. If nothing happens, that storm will consume them. The fact that uh, these disciples have woken Jesus up here is not the issue. In fact, it's the right thing to do. In fact, it seems a little strange that Jesus is even asleep. And yet, because Jesus is asleep, these disciples have a choice. Either include Jesus in this storm, or leave him out of it. Jesus is the one who does most of the ministry. He's the busy one. We shouldn't disturb him with something like this. Or, what could Jesus do to change the situation? How could he be any more help of getting us out of this situation than we are? What good would it be to ask Jesus? So the disciples have this choice. Include Jesus in the storm or leave him out of it. And they choose the right decision. They choose to include him in the storm. They wake Jesus up. And as we go through these storms at different times in our lives, we have this same choice. Include, include Jesus or leave him out of it. And as we go through those storms... Actually, they're the times we most need Jesus to be active in our lives. And yet, as we go through those storms, they can be the times that are most difficult to ask Jesus to be involved in our lives. Why? Because it feels as if Jesus is asleep. I can't understand what you're doing or why this is happening to me. Where are you, God? In that testimony I told you about a little earlier with that xyfer he had this same choice. Include Jesus in this situation or leave him out of it. He chose to include Jesus. A while back, I was going through a bit of a difficult time myself and actually I was struggling to pray. And it got to a point where I could say to God, God, I need you to save me. And as I said that to God, I felt him say back to me, well, let me then. And it was as I began to let go of control over what was happening that actually I found that, yes, God did begin to lift me up out of that place. So the disciples have this choice and they choose to wake Jesus up. Brilliant. They're choosing to include Jesus in this storm. But they don't say to him, Jesus, save us. This expression of absolute trust and faith in Jesus as the one who can save. They say to him, we're going to drown. It's like an expression of half-faith. They're including Jesus, but they're still crippled by this fear that the surrounding storm is causing. It's why Jesus says to them, where's your faith? Nevertheless, they're still including Jesus in the situation. In this uh, second story, this demon-possessed man has no advocate. In other stories uh, in the Gospel of Luke and other Gospels as well, we see an ill person brought to Jesus by someone else for that person to be healed, and Jesus heals them. This person has no one. The people of the town would chain him up And the demons would send him to live in solitary places on his own. He has no one. And we don't read about Jesus' reaction here. But I reckon that the reason that Jesus commanded the demons to leave this man is because as Jesus looks at the man, I think probably he was moved with compassion as we read of Jesus in other circumstances Jesus loves people, and Jesus will will be the advocate to the person who has no advocate. This is a sovereign act of God. And there may be an issue in your life at the moment that nobody knows about, and it may be something that you really struggle to talk about. I think Jesus would encourage you to talk about it with someone. But if you can't, then Jesus will be your advocate. As uh, the disciples uh, expressed this kind of half-faith in the first story, uh, and in the second story, as Jesus commands these demons, to leave this man. The demons enter a herd of pigs and the pigs run off a cliff and drown. And the people of the town, as they hear what's going on, come to find out. And they find this man dressed and in his right mind sitting at Jesus' feet. And uh, Jesus says to the man, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And the man does so. When God breaks into our lives, we have a responsibility to share that testimony so that God gets the glory for what God has done. In this first story, the disciples express this half-faith, which is nevertheless better than no faith, and they're still including Jesus into this situation and Jesus commands the winds and the waves to uh, cease and the storm is stilled. In your life right now, the cry of your heart might be the cry of Psalm 13. How long, God? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? that cry is itself the start because you're choosing to include God in that storm. And as you continue to do that, as you continue to hold on to him, there will come a day when you'll realize that the wind is starting to die down, that the waves are slightly less than they were that the water in the boat is slightly less than it was. Psalm 13, the psalm that begins with how long, God, ends with, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Hang on to God. Choose to include him in that storm. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we can probably all recognize storms of the present or storms from the past in our own lives. And they can be really tough times to even see what you're doing or where you are. But I thank you so much, Jesus, that you are the stiller of the storms. Father, I thank you that when we do put faith in you and trust in you, that you do promise to lift us out. And where our cry is, how long, God? Then I pray, Father, that we would know you as the one who walks beside us, the one who lifts, lifts us up. Thank you, Lord. Amen.